glad you came this morning. How cool uh, to come to hear about end times. You know, it's sad that end times got a bad rap over the years. It was all uh, about fear and about dread and, oh, end times. No, it's exciting. How many, how many were excited the night before you got married? Wow, one person. Good for you, Lindsay. All right. Amen. No, isn't it sad that talking about the coming of the Lord was with so much weird fear and weird stuff? So uh, I love what you said, Pastor Steve. The whole thing is Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, lift up your heads. Your redemption draws nigh. In other words, he doesn't want you downtrodden. He wants you excited. He wants you happy. And the whole thing about hearing about the coming of the Lord, Paul said it's so you'd be happy and hopeful. Not scared. Hallelujah. It's amazing how there is no bad news for us. Isn't that sad that, that the most exciting thing for us has got a, a connotation of fear? No, the Lord's coming back. Hallelujah. So we'll get into all that. We'll get into all the signs this morning. There's so many things we can look at to show how close we are. There's things that are flawless, that are uh, uh, inarguable, precise, easy to understand, to where you don't go, well, I didn't know the Lord was coming. Like, no, 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 it'll be supernaturally easy. So what a treat to be with you. I can't believe it's been so many years uh, since we saw you, but uh, just as Pastor Steve said, I went to Rama 41 years ago. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help us all. And uh, uh, my mom, my crazy mom, God bless her, she uh, drug us to a Kenneth Hagin meeting in 1970 in Shreveport, Louisiana. And then from then on, my mother was so into it. We went to church every night, probably 70 through 73. I thought my mother had lost her mind. I mean, we went to church every single night. And we would follow Brother Hagin. He'd be in Pittsburgh. We'd drive to Pittsburgh. Brother Hagin would be in Phoenix. We'd drive to Phoenix. He'd be in Chicago. We'd drive to Chicago. I wasn't excited about hearing the word, but I'd do anything to get out of school. So it was wonderful. <laughs> I was like, Mom, Brother Hagin's going to be in Pittsburgh. Let's go. So I would figure what tests I would miss if I could do that. So I was strategic about my hearing the word, Brother Hagin. But it's amazing. Once you get that in you, it changes you. In his presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Come on. We're not trying to get set free. We are free. Yeah. I'm not trying to get healed. I am healed. I'm not trying to get saved. I am saved. Come on. So uh, we're blessed and privileged to have that revelation. How, how could we have lived to hear all that and what you guys were around to be a part of it to get that in us? Hallelujah. We're, 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 if you're here this morning, you wonder why we're happy. It's because uh, he died for us. Yeah. Amen. You know, you, you get around people go, I'm a real prayer. No, you're not. You'd be happy if you prayed. Come on. <laughs> Well, that went over real good. <laughs> Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. No, in his presence, this fullness of joy. So if you came in this morning, maybe you're going through something, man, let's speak to it. Let's don't tolerate it. Yeah. Today, somehow, people start romancing their storm, like, you know, like making it a cool thing. No, the storm's designed to kill you, not to make you stronger. I, that's crept into the word of faith group. Like, well, the storm's making me stronger. No, the storm's designed to kill you. Jesus said, speak to it. Well, he's going to use that storm to make me stronger. You know, not one time my daughter on the way to school, I go, I'm going to break your legs so you can learn more today. That's insane. No, no, you're going to learn so much. Let's break both your legs. No, that's nuts. That's nuts. So uh, we'll get into end times today, and, and, and we'll see how close we are. Why? Uh, you see the finish line, you run faster, not slower. I've never seen a runner go, oh, the finish line. What is that? No, when you see the finish line, you pick up the pace. Same thing in a race. Here in Austin, you got a Formula One race. When the white flag goes out, that's the, the last lap. People go crazy. Yeah. You take chances you would not normally take. Yeah. And with the football, if you see the quarterback, he, he, he looks at the play clock. Why? He, he, he has to have an urgency about him. Yeah. I freak out when I watch the quarterback not watching the play clock. I'll go, dude, you got seconds left, and you're dinking around. Come on. <laughs> hike the ball. So that has to get in the church. Yeah. We... we we're going to look at some things today to show us where we are in time, and that just means we've got to pick up the pace. Yes. And you're here, you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir, but we don't fit church into our life. It is our life. Yeah. We're about to see the king. Yeah. We're about to see the king. You're about to see the throne of God. You're about to see the rainbow behind the throne. Yeah. You're about to see a fountain right in front of him. It's filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Yeah. Come on, we're, we're about to see him high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. We're about to see him as God. We see him as our Savior, our Redeemer, beaten and, and whipped and put on a cross. You're about to see him high and lifted up. 
You're about to see him set up as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You talk about honor. You talk about reverence. You talk about bowing in adoration. There will be a scream come out of us of thankfulness that he gave his life for us. Hallelujah. And, you know, just as I get into end times, we were talking right before the service, uh, just crazy seeing more miracles teaching on end times than teaching on miracles. Uh, uh, it's just, uh, I'll give you a couple real quick because they're so crazy. I was in Alma, Arkansas uh, just a couple months ago, and I had some words of knowledge, and uh, I called out different things, and people were getting healed. And uh, that night, I had some more, and there was a kid there. He's like 20, about 18 years old, and he said the, that morning about me, he's a con man. Uh, this is all BS is what he said. He said, that's not real. That night, I had a word of knowledge, and somebody had an explosion go off beside their head, and they lost their hearing. And it was that young man. He had this tannerite blew up right there. He said it felt like something sucked out of his head. And uh, he came up to me crying. He said, I was mocking you. I was calling you a con man. And the Lord's so good, he just reaches out and heals them. He's just good. So good. I was in Effingham. No, Mattoon, Illinois. Listen to this one. I always have weird words of knowledge. And I had, I had a word of knowledge that someone had a metal plate in their head. And I just said, I don't even know what that is. But I said, you're healed. You know, it's a word, not a paragraph. So I said, you're healed. <laughs> I was, this is Pastor Ed and Mary Bell Stevens in Mattoon, Illinois. So they come walking up after the service. You know how you kind of stand there for a minute? Well, there comes this lady walks up to me. She goes, hey, I got a, I got a loose screw. I said, what? She goes, no, I have a loose screw. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I've got a screw loose in my head. They want to open my head back up and tighten this bolt down. I said, how do you know? She goes, I can shake my head. I can feel it. I'm sitting there going, well, we all got a loose screw. But anyway... I said, uh, I, she goes, uh, when you called that out, I felt that bolt go tight in my head. Wow. I mean, that, he's just good. Yes. That's amazing. I was in South Carolina, had a word of knowledge that someone had their back healed, legs healed, and that's common. And uh, I said, there's someone here, you got damage on the inside of your nose, like something got severed. I said, you're healed. This big guy come down like six foot eight. He goes, hey, man, I don't know you, but my back got healed. My legs got healed. He said, my wife just had brain surgery. They went up through her nose, and when they were getting to the base of her brain, they tore some stuff inside her nose. She wasn't here. She texted me when you called that out and said she can uh, breathe through her nose, instantly healed. Not even there. I can tell you story after story where people weren't even there and got healed. He's just good, extremely good extremely good. Come on. His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Why? He wants us excited about his return. So grab your Bibles and uh, you just turn wherever you think you're to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Let's go to Matthew 24 for a minute. Let's talk about kind of what we see now and then we'll get into how close we are to the coming of the Lord. We'll look at some things that, are, that are, show the difference between the rapture and the second coming. The second coming has tons of signs. In my book out there, it's brand new. Just, this is like the third church I brought it to. There's about 80 signs in there. But the rapture is signless. But we can look at some things that happened just after the rapture so we can kind of tell where we are. And that is the Ezekiel 38 war where Russia comes down on Israel. So we'll go there to Matthew 24. And these are verses that we have all uh, heard a lot about. But there's some certain things you can get that will make end times easy for you. The rapture is not in the Gospels. It's in the epistles. You can't find the rapture in the Gospels because Jesus is talking to boys about the kingdom. And this will help you. You know, the ten virgins, if you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going up. He's not talking to the church there. He's talking to Jewish boys that need oil in their lamp. I don't need oil in my lamp. I got him. I'm him right now. So don't, if you, you take some verses that are in the Gospels and you apply them to the church, you feel like you don't qualify because you don't qualify. Everything changes after the resurrection. you got a different set of rules. But a lot of end times things you see on TV, uh, Jesus even said, uh, pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. He's talking to Jewish boys that needed to pray to be accounted worthy, okay? Has nothing to do with what I've done. Has everything to do with what he's done. So be careful because those verses, if you try to apply them to the church, you'll feel like you don't qualify. Like I'll come into a church and the secretary goes, I feel like if I, if I drink the wrong kind of coffee, uh, I might miss the rapture. I said, well, you, you sure got a weak strain of the blood of Jesus. The one I got made me perfect. The one I got made me perfect. I said, the one I got made me perfect. I, had not, I, have not, I couldn't earn it, don't deserve it, but, but he made me that way. He who knew no sin was made sin, that I might be made the righteousness of him. Uh, come on, of God in him. So, so I can't help it. I can't help it that he quickened me. Can't help it that he raised me, but I'm going to enjoy it. 
All right, go to Matthew 24 real quick. Here we go, Matthew 24. And look what Jesus says here. He says to them in verse 1 of Matthew 24, And when Jesus went out and departed from the temple, the disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, See ye not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Hey, tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming into the end of the world? Actually, in the Greek, it's the end of the age, because the world's never coming to an end. Jesus is going to come and renovate the earth, but it's going to be here forever. Seed time and harvest is, is perpetual, it's eternal. So watch what he says here. He's not mad at them because they ask him. They just go, hey, what's it going to look like? Remember, he's talking to Jewish boys here, not the church yet, okay? Because if you talk to the church, you go, when you see the gospel getting out all over the world, Jesus' answer is really kind of bizarre. He basically tells them, when you see the tribulation, you can tell I'm about to come. Because see, he's talking to Jewish boys here. But watch what he says. Take heed that no man deceive you. Many will come in my name saying, I'm Christ and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now in your Bible, Mark at verse 9, the tribulation starts in verse 9. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. We don't use that word sorrows anymore. That's the word birth pains. We don't even use that anymore. We use the word contractions. So Jesus said there's going to be some birth pains or contractions that are going to be on the earth, uh, just like a woman going into labor. How many of you ladies, when you went into labor, you didn't ignore it? (laughs) I mean, when the labor pains started, hey, these are real. These are contractions. I should pay attention. I mean, I got a buddy of mine in Iowa. His wife had a baby in the laundry room because he wasn't paying attention. She goes, hey, the baby's coming. He goes, yeah, we're on our way there. She goes, no, it's coming right now. I'm telling you what, I'd be having that person, that, my wife would be on the way, we'd be, we'd be headed to the hospital the second there was a little bit of birth pains. So Jesus said there'd be some contractions that you can't ignore. Well, we've had COVID, we had, we've had earthquakes. Oklahoma is the number one earthquake place in the world, in, in the whole planet. The number one is seismic activity. Used to be Indonesia, used to be Greenland. Now it's Oklahoma. Not where the wind comes sweeping down the plains, but where the earthquakes come sweeping down the plains. <laughs> Crazy. So you've got earthquakes, you've got pandemics. And Jesus said they would be severe. But how many of you ladies, when you start having contractions, after the baby's born, did you go, those were the neatest contractions I've ever had? No. No, you don't focus on the contractions. You focus on the baby. So what's coming after the contractions is the kingdom of God. Jesus is trying to say here there might be some pressure just before he comes, but guess what's coming? The king. The king's coming. So he's talking to these guys about the second coming, not the rapture. So right before the second coming, you got seven years of tribulation. I mean, you got fireworks. You got water turning to blood. You got uh, asteroids hitting. You got wormwood hitting. I was preaching on that in the Ukraine. I said the word wormwood, people gasped. This is 30 years ago. I said, what's wormwood mean? Chernobyl. Okay, so NASA has wormwood under an asteroid coming by in 2029. You'll be able to see it in 2027, 2028. How, just like the Lord to have it swing by a couple times just to wake people up. <laughs> so there's going to be seven years of fireworks for God to get people's attention. We don't have to be here for that because we're already saved. We're going to be raptured before that. Amen. Thank God for that. But that seven-year period, it's like hell on earth. Your sister said to me, I was preaching in Australia. She goes, on the tribulation, she goes, man, that's just like hell on earth. But at least it's better than going to hell forever. You know, in high school, this is, this, this, this is sad. In high school, every day, when, almost every day when I was taking a girl out, I'd pull over to a certain spot, I'd get fireworks out, and I'd shoot fireworks off from my car. So she couldn't say she didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. <laughs> I didn't do it once. I did it many times, okay? So, so there's coming a seven-year period where God was trying to get everybody's attention. But we don't have to be here for that because we've already asked him into our hearts. So Matthew 24 is all about the second coming. He's talking about fireworks right before he comes called the tribulation period. But with this, let's get into it. There, man, I, I so appreciate how hungry you guys are because we're going to get into all of it. And he's going to strengthen us. He'll bless us. He'll encourage us. There is no bad news for the church. Let me say that again. If you hear end time preaching, it scares you. It's not Bible. Now, for the world, it's very scary. But for you and I, not scary at all. Amen. He's not appointed us to wrath. 
Let me say that again. He's not appointed us to wrath. He's not mad at you this morning. He's not frustrated with you. He loves you. Everything we're going to get into is because he loves you so much. He wants you excited. He wants you happy. Could you imagine Colleen and I? We're getting married. Look at this. Colleen's walking down the aisle, and her dress is all muddy and dirty like she's been rolling around the dirt. That'd be kind of weird. And then I look at her, and I go, here, I'm ready for her. She's walking down the aisle. I'm standing there, and here she's all bowed over. Oh, my God. I'm about to marry that guy. Here we go. Another one bites the dust. No, that would kind of freak me out if my, my wife-to-be is you know, not excited about getting married. That's the church, all beat up, all bowed over. No, we should be lifting up our heads. We should, this is it, man. You had, at, the, at the first coming, you had Anna, you had Simeon, you had Zacharias, you had Elizabeth, you had Joseph, you had Mary. You had such a small percentage of people paying attention. The Bible says they were warned of God. It's the word crematazio, to be divinely instructed. They wouldn't see death till they saw the Messiah. Oh, come on, if they, could, if they could know the time, how much more we? We're in the church. Yeah. You had Jesus when he walks into town. Demons start crying out. Uh, don't you love it? Instant submission before he even opened his mouth. <laughs> They're like, have you come to torment us before the time? They knew Jesus had a schedule, but he was early. Wow. Have you come to torment us before the time? So if demons can know the schedule, how much more the church? Yeah. Come on. So the, he put all this stuff in here. You've got verse after verse after verse after verse coming to pass, showing us right now where we are in time. Yeah. We'll get into them. So grab your Bibles. Go back to Isaiah, and we'll see this before we get into all the signs. This will bless you. It's just bizarre how cool the word is. Look at Isaiah 46. If you've got your Bibles there, it's page 819 if you've got a Bible like mine. Look at verse 9 of Isaiah 46. I know you know this, but it'll still bless you and encourage you. Isaiah 46, look at verse 9. He said, remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's none else. I'm God, there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. It's kind of wild. Jesus, here the word says, God goes, okay, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you the future before you get there. No other book gives you future. You can talk to a Buddhist. You can talk to a Muslim. Their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. And that's kind of crazy. He said, this is how you can tell my words are authentic. Ezekiel prophesied the year Israel be regathered. Gabriel prophesied the year Jesus would come. It's flawless. Listen to this. The first 10 names of guys in the Bible. Watch this. Get ready for this. This is a lot of info, but just run with me mentally for a minute, okay? Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahaliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Listen to the first 10 names of guys in the Bible. Let me put them together for you. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. Gives you the entire plan of redemption with the first 10 names of guys in the Bible. So see, we, he's watching over his word to perform it. We can trust him. Amen? So, so this, is, this is bizarre because you can talk to a Muslim, you can talk to a Buddhist, and you can go, nah, 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 nah. My, my dad knows the future. They're, come on, don't mean to be mean, but come on. This shows you he's God. There's nowhere else in the Bible where he said, okay, this is how you can tell I'm God, is that he'll show you end time stuff before it happens. That's why the devil hates prophecy. One third of this book is about the future because it shows how authentic he is because he lives outside of time. Absolutely flawless. Really, now, if you get into it, you can, there's a thing on YouTube about the word beginning. It's called the bare sheet prophecy. In one word, it gives you the whole entire plan of redemption. But you better drink some coffee before you watch the video. Because uh, you've got to be alert, man. It's like, like 4,000 things coming at you. I do this for a living. I'm sitting there going, I, 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 trying to keep up with it. Because there's so much information about how close we are. We're, we're privileged. Okay, so with that, grab your Bibles. Go over to Luke. And now let's get into all these signs. We're going to just open up a, a lot of info that will show you where you are. Jesus is going to say certain things that make it easy to understand how close we are. And there's been just... Uh, really misrepresentation about what the Bible says, because I hear people go, of that day and that hour, no man knows. Well, Jesus was basically telling them what, what feast they were, he was going to come get them for. And he also, at the second coming, the Jews, the Antichrist, midway through the trip, he's going to go into the temple and say, I'm God. They'll know exactly 42 months later the, the second coming is going to be. They'll know to the day it's going to happen. 
So some of those verses that we got, Jesus was saying things in code that we've used to say, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, actually, you can if you can read. I, that didn't go real good. Let me back up. So, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. That'd be like saying you can't tell when you're going to get to Dallas from Austin when you're on the freeway. Yeah, you can. If you, if you have a map, you can. If you can if you can read how far, many miles it is. And each one of the signs don't freak you out. The signs don't go, oh, my God, I'm 200 miles from Dallas. Next to the sign says 180. Next sign says 150. Next sign says 125. The signs are there to bring you peace. You're headed toward Dallas. Yeah. You don't go, I'm not going to make it. No, the signs actually show you you're getting near Dallas. Just like if you want a cheeseburger and McDonald's is eight miles, you know, in about six minutes, the way I drive, you're going to get you a McDonald's. So the signs are there to keep you connected. I just saw I'm going to get a quarter pounder in eight miles, so here in about ten minutes, I'm going to get me a quarter pounder. And I don't go, it's never going to happen. No, it's a, I'm just eight miles away. We're going to get into some signs now that are super easy to understand. So look at Luke 21, and grab your Bibles there and go to verse 24, and Jesus is going to make this really clear. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive unto all nations. Jerusalem will be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So Jesus goes, there's some time of the nations or the Gentiles that's going to be fulfilled. And he said, okay, when you see Jerusalem one back, that's pretty much when it's up. Now, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty bold. You know, he didn't go, when Uncle Earl in the middle of Iowa gets saved, you'll know I'm about to come. Because who knows Uncle Earl? But we all know when Jerusalem was one back, that was 1967. What happened? It's called the Six-Day War. It's a big deal. Jerusalem was won back. Huge. Remember, there was the Egyptian army. Uh, 88 tanks were barreling down on Israel. And one Israeli cook, he said, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out with a blaze of glory. A cook climbs into a tank, figures out how to load shells into the turret, starts firing shells at the Egyptian army. 88 Egyptian tanks, one Israeli tank with a cook that doesn't even know how to fire shells. He starts firing shells at the Egyptians. The Egyptian commander came out with a white flag in the morning. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. And that Israeli cook said, highest ranking officer? It's just me. He goes, oh, no, it's not just you. The whole night the countryside was filled with tanks with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. Even the last time I was in Israel a couple years ago, the Saudi Arabian newspaper came out and said, we still don't understand how Israel won the Six-Day War. And they attributed it to men dressed in white on the front of the tanks. They were angels. Wow. So one Israeli tank against 88 Egyptian tanks, Israel won, Jerusalem's won back. Miracle after miracle. You can pull it up on YouTube. It's called Against All Odds. You can see the guy I'm talking about. They interview him. He said, we don't even believe in this stuff, but something happened. <laughs> they don't hardly believe it after the fact. Here, we're supposed to believe before we see. Come on. So what a miracle for Jerusalem to get one back. Remember, everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything goes back to that spot. The Bible said Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. The president of Turkey two years ago, he said, I'll call on all of Islam. We'll ascend to the Temple Mount, and we'll take the Temple Mount from the Jews. He said, the Temple Mount belongs to Turkey. No, it belongs to Israel. The Palestinians last year said, the Big Ben in London belongs to the Palestinians. No, it belongs to the people of England. Amen. So you hear this weird mentality coming where the Bible says the Antichrist will try to change dates and times in history. Like Turkey's president saying that something that belongs to Israel belongs to him. It'd be like somebody coming up saying, uh, you know, the Washington Monument belongs to Switzerland. No, it belongs to America. It's in Washington, D.C. That's how weird things are right now because of a distortion of, the, of Lucifer in people's minds. This is how stupid the devil is. You can go to the old city of Jerusalem. You see the Temple Mount. It's amazing. That's the Lord's address forever. It's just amazing, okay? So now then you see a mosque right here. <laughs> what happened right there? That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a mosque over here. What happened over here? That's where Jesus was beaten. There's a mosque right over here. That's where the Mount of Ascension was. Everywhere the Lord did something uh, important, the devil put a, a mosque there, thinking he could cover it up. All it did was give you a tour guide. You go, the Lord must have done something cool here. The Lord must have done something cool here. Absolutely. You go up on the Temple Mount, and in the mosque, it says in Arabic, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Why? There is a Son of God. He came and died, and God raised him from the dead. So Lucifer can't stand that Jesus gets that attention, because see, he, at one point, he was on the sides of the north, 
And he said, I'll ascend to heaven and be like the most high. Mm-mm. He was immediately thrown out of heaven. So, so he wants that spot back. That's where Jesus is going to come back on the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. The Bible says there'll be a great earthquake at the second coming, and the water from the Dead Sea will go right by Jesus' throne and go out and quicken all the waters in the earth. It just, he's got so much life, it just gets near him and it quickens it. He's not near you, he's in you. Mm, 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 mm. There's so much life in you. It's just like with, with Elisha, when, when he was in that grave and that military guy was thrown in there dead, he was raised from the dead. That was cool, that's absorption. There was so much life absorbed in his bones that a dead man's raised by his bones. I don't have absorption, he's in me. You should be careful walking by cemeteries, come on. If someone could be raised through absorption, how much more you? He's in you. You're a carrier of the glory of God. And we're about to see him face to face. Hallelujah. So look at this. Let's go through here. He's going to do something even clearer and magnify what he had just said about the six-day war. Watch what he says in verse 29. So he says in verse 29, he spake to them a parable. What's a parable for? To make what he had just said make more sense. So he's going to speak to them a parable. Look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel, verse 29, and all the trees. Here's verse 30 now. When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. I love how the Lord made it so easy to get, just like, like in spring, like in Tulsa a few weeks ago, about a month ago. All, it was totally brown, no greenery, trees were dead, grass was dead. In one week, all of a sudden, the trees changed, the grass changed. And I thought, in one week's time, it changed color. I didn't go, oh my God, what is this? I knew summer's coming. In other words, it, wasn't, it didn't freak me out. I was blessed to know that there's a temperature change. Jesus said, likewise, just as bold as you are about that, when you see these things come to pass, no. Watch what he says. Look at this. Look at verse 31. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, no. Circle the word no. So he's telling us this so we can know this, not wonder. When you see these things, what are these things? Israel being regathered in 1948, Jerusalem won back in 1967. When you see those two things, no, no, no that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. That's pretty cool to even know it's close, but he's going to get even bolder. It's good to know it's close. Well, look at the next verse. I'm so glad Jesus said this, not me. Verse 32, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away to all is fulfilled. It's not just close. The generation that sees these things won't pass away to all is fulfilled. Tag, you're it. I hear people go, I don't believe that. It don't matter. I mean, people, I'm uncomfortable with that. It don't matter. We're it, whether we like it or not. Yeah. You're the generation that Israel's regathered and Jerusalem was won back. Yeah. Pretty, pretty wild. Think about this for just a minute. Just t- hang with me. Cut me a little slack before we get there because I got, these are just two signs. Israel regathered and Jerusalem won back. I got 80. So he said, if you see these two, you're the generation. So think about 1917. There was a guy on the plane last night watching that movie, 1917, about World War I. Several things happened in 1917. Allenby, an Australian general, flies into the land of Israel. They passed out leaflets. You know, back then they would warn people before they would bomb them. They warned them, Allenby's coming, Allenby's coming. Well, they freaked out. They didn't know that Allenby in Arabic meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. So they're like, a prophet sent from God's coming? Why would we fight against that? They dropped their weapons. The land was turned over to Israel right there in 1917. 50 years later, one jubilee, precisely Jerusalem's one back. See, God's on a schedule. Okay, so 1917, that happened. Guess what else happened in 1917? Kenneth Hagin was born. Okay, the Lord appeared to his mother, told her to name him John, <laughs> that he would have a part, not everything, but a part of getting the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. How cool is that? She didn't name him John. She named him Kenneth. Don't you love that? Yeah, I don't like that name. Tell God tells her what to name her son. Stands there. He goes, name your son John. Yeah, I don't like that. That's how weird is that? You know what Hagen means? This will freak you out. You know what Hagen means in the Hebrew? One to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. It's supposed to be John Hagen. Now I preached just in Switzerland, Lausanne, Geneva, Longenthal, Kur, um, Zurich, Basel. All over all over Switzerland, I can tell you Italy, I can tell you all the cities, all because of Kenneth Hagin quietly sowing the word. Brother Hagin sowing the word, sowing the word. No fanfare whatsoever. 
Not one time did Brother Hagin get up and go, my name was supposed to be John. Yay, I say it. No, he kept it quiet. Preached the word, preached the word, preached the word, preached the word. The schools overseas, uh, the, the school in Germany 30 years ago, the students that were there, five or six students, and half of them were retarded. I don't mean to be mean, but they just didn't even know where they were. Now the students, 500 students, you say, let's pray. They prayed. Say, let's worship, let's worship. The continent has been altered by the sowing of the word because of Kenneth Hagin's ministry. Crazy. Geneva, you look out there, 600 people coming to hear the word in French. For seven hours on Friday, eight hours on Saturday, because Jesus is about to come back. Just exactly what Jesus said to Brother Hagin's mom. He would have a part, not everything, but a part in getting the earth ready for the coming of the Lord. Aren't we blessed to watch that being tra uh, transpire right before our eyes? Yeah. It's radical. It's just, I'll give you even a crazier one because I want to get to the science here. Just, everybody with me for a little bit? You okay? Yeah. How many glad you came? Come on. How many glad you're here? You're not in jail. Come on. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, we're better being church. I remember Mark Brzee was getting ready to start those churches, no, schools in Europe, and they were praying out in the 90s, early, latter 80s, or first part of the 90s, John's legs to the east. Talking about Kenneth Hagin's ministry. Well, think about all the Bible schools that started in Europe through Brother Mark. Uh, guess, listen to their last names went to the nations they went to. Tony and Patsy Caminetti went to Italy. John and Michelle Grunwald, that's my sister, went to Germany. Chuck and Sheila Banks went to England. Tim and Vicki Kilstrom went to Sweden. Every one of their last names were indicative of the nations they went to. See, John's legs to the east. Wow. Hallelujah. So we're, we're, we're living right before the coming of the Lord. Isn't that crazy? So you got Israel regathered. <laughs> the devil's so stupid he killed 6 million Jews right before uh, Israel was regathered in 1948. But he couldn't stop the plan of God for coming. God brought them back from all over, and their nation was regathered in 1948. We should be jumping. We should be dancing. We should be shouting just because of those two signs because we're, we're about to see the king. Come on, what, what's your stance going to be? I don't know what the protocol is to all of a sudden be instantly at the throne of God. But that's what's going to happen. We're going to be caught up. This mortal is going to put on immortality. The stain of Adam is going to be taken off of you. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a brand new body. Oh, come on. I'm the right, I'm the right weight. I'm just not the right height. Come on. I, I need to be 6'4 to handle this weight. Come on. All of a sudden, I'm going to get me a new body that will never get tired again and never gain weight again. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, aren't you ready? And people go, I don't want the Lord to come back because I got so much in my heart. The rapture's not an ending. It's a beginning. You're not done at the rapture. We're, we're tasting of the powers of the world to come. We've got a whole thousand years to operate with the Holy Ghost. I'll give you one little thing from the millennium. During the millennium, you'll have a guy that comes here to fix your TV, one of the natural-bodied saints. Now, you'll have natural-bodied saints, and you'll have natural-bodied sinners that make it through the latter part of the tribulation. The sinners will be plucked off the earth, but those natural-bodied saints, they start having kids. they got to receive Jesus when they reach the age of accountability. You'll be pointing to them and go, there's the Lord right there. So those natural-bodied saints that are on the earth will have kids that turn into natural-bodied sinners. Jesus said they, don't, they won't come to church in, in Zechariah. They won't come to church. To, they won't get any rain. They're heathen. Well, okay, you're reigning over them trying to get them to, to receive Jesus. And one guy goes up on, to fix the TV. He slips and falls and breaks his neck, a saint, a natural body saint. Because he will have what he says. You'll probably say, you know, I'll probably break my neck trying to climb up there and do that. He breaks his neck. You've seen it in a word of wisdom. You've already seen it before it happens. You walk through the wall. You go over to him, go rise, take up your bed and walk. Good thing you live in the millennium. It's in you to raise people up. You'll be doing that for a thousand years. There's a lot said right there, but hang with me. That, so we're not done. And if you want to know what you're going to look like when you get your glorified body, remember Jesus when he's raised from the dead? He's walking on the road to Emmaus. Don't you love how cool he was that they didn't know who he was? I love that kind of stuff. How weird is that? That their high eyes are beholden to who he is, so they can't tell who he is. First thing he asks them, why are you guys so sad? He wanted them happy. He goes, well, they, if you live around here, they crucified our Lord. And it was kind of a bummer. And he, they didn't know who he was. He sat down. Jesus, physically in their presence, sat down and took them through the word. He showed them Christ in the Old Testament. I would have been like, it's me, boys. Come on. Well, no, he's so sweet. He took them through the word. It's yeah. better to get it through the word. Just yeah. like during the millennium, you'll know God's character because you've learned his ways through his word, not through feelings. Yeah. That's why you'll judge so good and rule so good because you know his heart. Because of his word. So here he takes them through the word physically in their presence. 
He breaks bread, disappears. They went, wow, that was him. <laughs> Did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? Yeah. Whew. They went back and told the disciples, we ate with him. He, he preached to us. Then he disappeared. Thomas goes, I don't believe that. Don't you love that? He goes, I don't believe that. I, don't, I won't believe till I see the hole in his side, see the hole in his hands. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas, reach hither your hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. He said, my Lord and my God. Well, they freaked out, said he's a spirit. He just walked through the wall. It's pretty cool. He goes, no, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. So we're going to have a body that can be handled but can still walk through the walls. What's the first thing Jesus said? Do you have any beef? Do you have any meat? He didn't say, do you have any kale? He didn't say, do you have any salad? He said, well, not one word about salad. He said, where's the beef? Yeah. In his glorified body, he wanted meat. Yeah. I, I'm not making it up. It's the first thing he said, you got any meat? So, so we think we're going to be ethereal. We think we're going to be playing harps for a thousand years. We think we're just going to be floating around. You can be handled. I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews or after, and during the millennium. I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews. I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf because it won't get dark and you'll never get tired. Yeah. Nighttime's going to be like our day. Daytime's going to be seven times brighter. I might play golf for three weeks in a row and never stop. <laughs> Glory to God. Come on. So we, we have a one. You know what the Lord said to me? And I, I'm not preaching on the millennium today, but I was in Nebraska. He said, tell them they've never seen a roller coaster so they see one in the millennium. Wow. See, we, we think it's just all going to be, oh, I'm in the millennium. No, there's going to be football. There's going to be <laughs> commerce. There's going to be everything. And those poor mortals, you're going to be ruling over them and judging them because he said, you'll be judging angels during that time. You'll rule over them. Wow. So God's raised up these overseers for the millennium. And that's why we're getting all this now. Because you're not done. You're tasting of the powers of the world to come. So let's go back to the signs. You got Israel regathered, you got Jerusalem one back. He said the generation sees that won't pass away till all is fulfilled. Wow, so we're privileged. We could leave right now and just jump out and shout in the road, We're Jesus is coming. But let's run through some other signs because there's a lot. Next time would be the Hebrew language restored. God said, just before the Messiah comes, I'll restore to them a, a, a perfect language. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now the whole nation speaks Hebrew. Google it. You don't find anybody speaking Hittite. Nobody speaking Amorite. Nobody speaking Canaanite. But you can hear them speaking Hebrew. Because God said, just before the Messiah comes, I'll do this. So you got Israel regathered. you got Jerusalem one back. you got the language restored. What's the next sign? Ethiopian Jews brought back. God said, just before the Messiah comes, I'll bring the Ethiopian Jews out of Ethiopia. Okay, 1992, Israel sent C-130s right down into Ethiopia, airlifted 18,000 Ethiopian Jews. On the, on the airplane manifested 180 passengers. And they, it's the only time ever when there's the manifest is 180. And when they landed, there's 187. There were wow. seven babies born on that plane. Wow. So there were babies born in the whole way. So what do we put on their birth certificate? Were they born in Egypt? Were they born in Ethiopia? They put an airborne. We have no idea where they were born. Come on. <laughs> How do you know where you were? So, so God says this, so on headline, CNN, you ready for this? CNN headline news, Chuck Roberts, said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN goes to preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your head. Jesus is about to come back. So in one day, God regathered them 18,000 out of Ethiopia because he said he would do that. Wow, amazing. There's a lot of more things you could get into about that, but it's absolutely amazing. An American man paid $30 million to airlift them out, and he was known for being a drug smuggler and a, 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 a drug launderer, money launderer, and we forgave him. Our country forgave him for doing that one good deed for the Jews. Wow. So cool. So you got, you got the Ethiopian Jews come back. The next one would be, the this one's cool because you can Google it, the revival of the Roman Empire. We know we have the United States of Europe now. Like I went from Norway to France. You don't even have to go through passport control. Just like going from Texas to Louisiana. The United States of Europe. Okay. This is cool because the Capitol building is in Strasbourg, France. You can Google it. And it's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. They built it broken at the top and circular just like the Tower of Babel was. They said, we, we don't need God. We'll be our own gods. You should read this stuff. The markings inside the building are all from Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it's just hideous. You can go out in front of the building and there's a molecule of iron magnified because that's what Daniel saw was iron and clay. So this system's in, in, in place called the EU. On their money is the woman from the book of Revelation. 
Now, normally I don't get into this, but this is kind of cool. Guess who's running the EU this year? It's France's president's turn, okay? So the capital's in France. His name is Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel means God with us. Macron means the mark, okay? He's part Jewish. He's part Assyrian. He even looks like the guys in the Left Behind series. He looks just like the Antichrist with that. <laughs> so if he's not the Antichrist, he missed a wonderful opportunity, okay? Because, <laughs> I mean, he looks... And guess what? Last two weeks ago, he came to Israel's defense. The only nation that came to Israel's defense was Macron, wow. France. The, the United Nations said, you know, Israel's an apartheid state. And he said, they're not an apartheid state. No other nation said a word. Emmanuel Macron went into Lebanon, went into uh, Iraq, trying to bring them peace about two months ago. So you got a guy kind of trying to be the peacemaker around Israel right now. Now, I'm not saying he is the Antichrist because Paul said he can't be revealed to weave and leave. You have so much authority that he's kept in check until you depart. That's why the church has to be raptured. You have so much authority that God couldn't do what he wanted to do during the seven-year tribulation because he gave you all authority. Yeah. Yes. He didn't take it back. You have all authority. Yes. He said, I am he that was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and hell, and he gave it to us. Amen. So he's got to take the church off the earth so he can do what he needs to do during that seven-year period. Wow. So you have the revival of the Roman Empire. Absolutely amazing. The United States of Europe. Okay, so you got Israel made a nation, Jerusalem won back, language restored, Ethiopian Jews brought back, you got the EU, you got the United States of Europe. What's after that? The fertility of the land of Israel. Okay, Mark Twain was there in the late 1800s. He said the land is so desolate it won't support life. Yet Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. A state like, think of New Jersey producing fruit for all of Europe. <laughs> what if you ate a banana this morning? Made New Jersey. Ate an apple. Made New Jersey. Ate a, ate a pear. Made New Jersey. Man, what's up with New Jersey? In other words, it must be pretty productive for that little of a state to produce that much. Israel overproduces. They found on the Golan Heights more oil than all of Saudi Arabia in one little sliver of Israel's land. Wow. Not the whole nation, a little bitty sliver. So if he went into all of it, it, it just is mind-blowing. Israel's the only nation that has more trees since they've been keeping count. God showed them how to put a tray underneath their trees, and it collects the dew, and the trees just flourish and produce more seeds. Wow. You could get into all of it, but it's just one thing after another. Let's go through a few things that are crazy. You ready for these? Because I, I don't want to overwhelm you or bore you, but hey, everybody with me just a little bit longer? Yeah. All right. Four weeks ago, this is crazy. Four weeks ago. The Dead Sea turned blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah is. Guess what day it turned blood red? The Day of Atonement. I told the Lord, you're just showing off now. Come on, this is crazy. I mean, it's just nuts. They took scientists down there. This was, on, this was, in, the, this was in the Jerusalem Post. This was, the news covered it because it freaked them out. Okay, this last year, you had foxes show up on the Temple Mount. Lamentations 5.18 says You'll, the, the land will be so desolate that even foxes would be on the Temple Mount, where it used to be so holy that no one even got near it, and now animals are walking on the Temple Mount. Okay? You had Ezekiel prophesied 2,700 years ago, just before the Messiah comes, that there'd be fish in the Dead Sea. Guess when the fish showed up? Last year. So you got nature getting into position. You got foxes in position, fish in position. Okay, I'm watching the Animal Planet channel several years ago, and the lady gets up there, an ornithologist. The only reason I know what an ornithologist is, my brother was one. He's a bird specialist. Went to college for nine years. My, my dad said, what'd you learn? He said, learn how to play poker. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad, but anyway. This, this ornithologist gets up there and says, the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different kind of species of predatory birds started showing up in the land of Israel. She goes, we don't understand it. I'm freaking out. Why? Right after we're raptured, the Ezekiel 38 war happens. God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. Seven years later at the Battle of Armageddon, he calls on the fowl of the air again to clean the land up. So you got the cleanup crew in Israel. So you got fish in position, birds in position, foxes in position. Next, you have the Temple Mount Institute. If you go into the old city of Jerusalem, it's a group of people. Their last name's Cohen, means priest. They've been practicing. They've got everything ready for sacrifices. I mean, they got the oil of anointing. The Sanhedrin, this last year, twice, got the oil of anointing out, ready to anoint the Messiah. 
So they've got all this stuff ready to start having sacrifices. They even went up on the edge of the temple last year and cut a lamb. They have an altar they put in the back of a truck, took the altar out, set it down, put a lamb there, cut his neck, and the, the police arrested them. Because you can't do that. This last year they did it and didn't get arrested. Why? The chief of police got saved. He said, I know they're supposed to be doing this. So they're on the edge of the Temple Mount wanting to have sacrifices. Why is it, why is it so driven in them? Because all of a sudden the church is going to leave and it's going to go back to seven years of old covenant time. So they're all in position. They're ready. So come on, if Jews can be in position, birds be in position, then you got Russia and Crimea, Russia and the Ukraine, you got Russia in position, you got foxes in position, birds in position, what's the church doing? Is the Lord really coming back? <laughs> I mean, that's the church. I'll give people 50 signs. You really sure the Lord's coming back in our lifetime? Oh my God. So if birds can know it, fish can know it, Russia can know it. Demons can know it. And the church is like, really? Really? Is he coming back? How do you tell? <laughs> I mean, you got the Lord. My, my daughter said, Dad, is it necessary that you scream at everybody? It's necessary. <laughs> I can't imagine Noah getting up on the ark and goes, is everybody cool? Is everybody all right? Can you imagine Noah getting up there in today's climate? Did I offend anybody? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Dear God, can you? I bet he was screaming like somebody on fire. Like, what's up with Noah. He's lost his mind. But it was a righteous voice to wake everybody up and get them in. And just as Enoch was translated and handed off to Noah, and they, he rode through the flood, it, the church will be translated, and we'll hand off to the Jews, and they'll ride through the seven-year period just like Noah did. Amazing. So then Elijah handed off to Elisha. Jesus handed off to the church. The church is going to hand off to the Jews. And you got people in position ready, uh, the 144,000. You got Israelis right now. One buddy of mine, he goes, hey, I know your doctor in Ezekiel 38, where I go, what? He, man, they're ready. They, they love that God's miraculous. They just have a blindness about Jesus. I said, dude, if Jesus is not your Messiah, you better start killing some animals because, oh, we don't do that anymore. Well, what's covering your sin? So there, it's just amazing how there's just a blockage. But you know what? That spirit of supplication is going to come on them. And you talk about the glory of the Lord coming upon Israel. Hallelujah. So we get to watch the setup for this. It should tell us we should be the most radical soul winners ever because the Lord's coming back. Wow. How privileged are we just before he comes? All right, let's, let's run through a few more signs. Can I get a couple more? Then we'll get to signals. And then uh, uh, I do have a helmet with a siren, but I didn't bring it with me. So that's okay. <laughs> Joel said, sound an alarm. <laughs> the Lord's coming. Hallelujah. All right, so you have all these. Let's go through a few more. Uh, th there's several that are just absolutely amazing. Okay, you ready for this one? Bishop Malachi, we'd say Malachi, in the year 1129 A.D., he had a vision of every pope and their coat of arms that would be on the earth all the way up to the second coming of the Lord. Now, now the coat of arms for a pope, very detailed, like a crest in England or a crest in Scotland, they all meant something. The pope would be a worshiping pope or a praying pope or a, 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 a <coughs> real detailed person. And this, this is on the History Channel. <laughs> this Bishop Malachi saw everyone, 114. Guess how many he got in a row? 114 out of 114. I mean, if you play baseball, if you bat three out of ten, you make a pretty good living. He got 114 out of 114. You know what the History Channel said? That's statistically impossible. Only a God can do that. Wow. Guess what pope we have right now? The 114th. Wow. The pope we have now and the pope we had before, six or seven times. It's time for one world religion, one world authority, one world monetary system. In Italy, last Italy two weeks ago, they came out with a new chip. They can put right underneath your skin. You can pay your bills for that. Same thing in, in France. They got a chip right there. We've had it for dogs where you put a chip in their collarbone. Now you can pay your bills through this chip. The world's getting ready for a reset. All kinds of hell's getting ready to break loose when the church disappears. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene and go, you know what? We're going to forgive your nation of this, but you've got to use our currency, and it'll be the mark of the beast. I mean, it's, it's all here right now. It's set up. We're about to depart the planet. Yes. Wow, it's crazy. So that was Bishop Malachi. Now, you had Rabbi Ixach Kaduri in Israel a few years ago, 2005. Jesus appears to him. This was huge because he's a Jewish rabbi. He doesn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus stands there, and he receives him as his Lord. 
he dies the next year, and he says, okay, when I, after a year after I've died, open up this envelope, and it shows, he said, I've come to see Jesus as the Messiah, and they all freaked out, you know? But he also wrote, right before the coming of the Lord, Israel will be ruled by two Benjamins last year. Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz jointly ruled Israel during COVID. He put that in his prophecy 10 years before it happened. Wow. Okay? There's more. There's more. Uh, hang with me. Russia, about four months ago, rebuilt the arch for Baal worship in Palmyra. Why is that a big deal? That's where the Tower of Babel was. The Talmud says that's the last thing you'll see before the Messiah comes. So when that happened, all the rabbis were like, man, get the olive anointing out. The Sanhedrin said, get the olive anointing out. The Messiah is going to come right now. So if they can have sensing of it, how much more the church? I mean, they, they, they don't even have God on the inside of me. I got God on the inside of me. Even if I didn't have all these signs, I got a witness right in here going, the Lord's about to come back. All these signs are just because the Lord's so sweet. He's trying to wake us up. So they're one after another, after another, after another to let us know we're the generation that he's coming back. Hallelujah. So what, what, what do we do with that? We accelerate. We accelerate. What, what do I, what, Lord, Lord, we pray more. We study more. We listen to the CDs more. We, we, we build ourselves up more than we ever have because the climate that you live in is the most horrific climate ever. I, I, I listen on YouTube, Kenneth Hagin, every week. I listen to John Osteen. I listen to Charles Capps. I listen to other guys too, but man, my, I feed on basic faith. How many of you, I mean, we all eat three meals a day, but yet when it comes to spiritual things, we'll barely eat one meal a week. So, so we're spiritually, our growth is retarded. Feed a baby once a week, see how it grows. It won't grow right. You got to feed it every single day. Right. Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying the climate we live in, not one time at our work is someone going, hey, you're a new creature in Christ. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do all the things through Christ who strengthens you. No, you don't, you don't have people at work telling you that. You've got to overwhelm yourself with yeah. the word. The king lives in you. God lives in you. I don't care what's going on in this atmosphere, but God lives in me, and everywhere I go, I, I'm a container of God. Second Corinthians said that the, what, well, the glory that Moses had when he was radiating, they put a blanket over his head, that was nothing in relation to what you have in Christ. He said it was no glory, and they had to put a lampshade over him. So we got all these signs, and we'll get to signals for just a minute because I don't want to keep you, but the signals are pretty cool. They're radical. Now, like if you're driving from here to Dallas, you got signs showing you're getting close. But once you get into Dallas, you got traffic signals. You don't need signs anymore. You're there. So let's talk about signals for a little bit because there's there's so many signs. We just I, I don't want to miss them. I was doing my book, you know, and the editors were like, "Well, you know, we have to fact check all these." I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Man, I talked about 500 scorpions stinging people in Egypt." He goes, "That really happened." I said, "You think I just make that up?" <laughs> Are you crazy? Don't you love that? It really happened. One guy's a preterist. He thought we're already in the millennium. This is the editors of the book. He goes, we're, we're already in all that stuff. And he goes, oh, my God, there's 80 signs about the Messiah coming. He changed his doctrine. Because, see, truth sets you free. So all this stuff is because he loves you so much. He wants you excited. He wants you happy. He wants you just, just in, you, you should be so happy people tell you to break that pill in half. Whatever you're on, take your dosage down. We should just be giddy. Yeah. You know, when Colleen and I got married, gosh, I, I'm, I'm, I want to get back to what I'm going to get to, but hang with me. When Colleen and I got married, the day we got married, I had my best man, Ross Roberts. Now, Colleen had all her bridesmaids that were up in this old house in, in an old part of Tulsa. So they were all there getting their makeup on. One lady came that did Janet Jackson's makeup, did uh, Celine Dion's makeup. So this lady flies there to do Colleen's makeup. So she's so excited, you know, get her makeup done. And I, I'm like, okay. I have my best buddy in the backyard playing. David Ellis was playing the piano, playing the songs that she liked. And I had my best man, Ross Roberts, take Colleen a gift from Tiffany's. So while she's getting ready, she gets that little blue box from Tiffany's. And here's the music she wants to hear. If I think like that before I get married, how much more do you think the Lord wants to bless you before we go see him? Yeah. Come on. He, he, he's got some wonderful things for the church right here before we leave. Come on, if I can think like that, come on. Yeah. He loves you. Yeah. He loves you. 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 He's not mad at you. Right. Let that be burned in your soul. He's excited for you to see the kingdom. Yeah. He's more excited than we are. 
the anticipation, I can't wait to see what they think about this. It's going to be so cool. And his voice is going to thunder from the throne. It's going to hit you just like when you're at a concert and the bass hits you in the chest like that. You're going to, oh my God. It's going to permeate right through your soul. Your dad's voice, just like lightning, just like thunder. Everybody that saw him, Habakkuk says he has shafts of light coming out of his side. Ezekiel said he's a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. And Habakkuk said there was the hiding place of his power. And that's our dad. He's not moody. He's not bipolar. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, we're going to get to heaven and go, you know, he's, he, he's never mad at us. He's just happy all the time. You're not going to get to heaven and go, here you go. I'm going to needle you now. I got, no, that's insane. He's going to bless you. Mm. The protocol for it is going to freak you out. Mm. Okay, let's go to signals real quick. Signals, signals, signals. First signal, blood red moons a few years ago. Doesn't get any more radical than that. When did they happen, though? Passover and tabernacles. Okay, what's Passover? When he died for us. What's tabernacles? When he's going to come back and tabernacle with men. So you got blood red moons on Passover. I died for you. And tabernacles, I'm coming back. I died for you. Coming back. Like God's trying to go like this. I died for you. Coming back. Pretty crazy. I mean, it's just amazing. What you had uh, with that is... Is you had four in a row. NASA calls it a tetrad. When is the last time you had four in a row like that? 1967, when Jerusalem was won back. 1948, when Israel was made a nation. 1492, at the Edict of Expulsion, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. And God raised up Columbus to sail the ocean blue in 1492. Where'd he go? Came to America to have a, a place where Jews could come and harvest here and wait for the Messiah. A landing spot for them called the United States of America. Wow. wow. So heaven's declaring that. It was pretty amazing. I mean, you could get into more about that. I mean, <laughs> uh, just a couple weeks ago, we had a blood red moon. A lot, of, a lot of stuff was happening in the heavens. We'll get into here in just a second. Okay, another thing that happened at the first coming of the Lord was the Bethlehem star. This is so radical. I wish we heard more preaching on it. How was that? You had Jupiter, king planet. Regulus, which is regal, king planet. And Venus, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. So you had Jupiter, king planet, Regulus, king planet, and Venus, a mother planet. All three of them came together. Remember the Magi rode on camels 700 miles, and they said, man, these planets are going to come together. It's going to be the coolest star you've ever seen. Now, if I rode a motorcycle ride with my buddies, I'd go, buddy, when we get to this town, it's going to be the coolest light show. My buddies would go, it better be over the top. If I ride for 700 miles, this better be something cool. Well, can you imagine those magi? I get there all of a sudden, Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus. This, you, if we knew all the details of this, you know what, you know what Regulus did? Did retrograde motion. If you get into the uh, Kepler's laws of planetary motions, it'll show you all the heavens. Re Regulus did retrograde motion. It looked like it's going backwards, but it's not going backwards. It went backwards and formed a crown because wow. the king was being born. Retrograde motion, regulus goes back like this, boom, boom, boom. So when you view it, it looks like a it, boom, crown, crown, crown. Yeah. Crown him Lord of all. Yeah. Wow. So when he's born, the heaven said a king's being born. Okay, last year, NBC Nightly News said we had a celestial event. We got Jupiter, we got Regulus, and we got Venus. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the Bethlehem star. First time in 2,000 years. Wow. Pretty radical. You had many more things happen. You had uh, Mercury do a flyby of the sun, went down directly over the Temple Mount. The planets formed a sickle. <laughs> Orion changed his instrument to hammer. You had hammer and sickle on the same day. That's Russia's symbol. So God's trying to tell Israel, Russia's going to come against you. So, I mean, the heavens are, God's going, doing everything he can to get everybody awake that it's all here. So as a church, we just, we're all in. That's just what, what, what do we do this year? If Pastor Steve, and you think about it. If Pastor Kim will go, guess what we're going to do? We're gonna, I'm going to come in uh, like, like uh, Batman. I'm going to swing in from the back. We're going to put a hole in the roof. Let's do it. I mean, it's whatever we need to do, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like, don't, don't, just throw out all the stops. Yeah. I, I mean, just whatever you need to do. If we need to do this, let's do it. Yes. Like, yes. We're about to see him. Yes. Man, Jesus. Think about being raptured. Think about all of a sudden being caught up. Wow. There's, it's hard to even wrap your brain around that. But Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. <laughs> and really, you look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, the angels came down and said, I can't do anything until I, until I get Lot out. Yeah. And see, that's the Lord can't do what he needs to do during the tribulation until he takes us out. Yeah. 
So we'll be called up, we'll be evacuated. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump will sound, and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. Wow. This, 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 the Bible says we're longing to be clothed upon, which that is from heaven. So we're longing for that. The Bible says the earth is longing to get that curse off of it, just like we're longing for that new body. There's coming a very short period of time. I used to say I thought we were 5, 10, 15 years away. I don't think we are now. I think we're there. I, re- I don't get don't get weird on me. I just think we're there. It could be, it could be any time. And I hear people go, well, the harvest has to come in. Well, actually, in Matthew 24, uh, that harvest comes in. The, the, uh, the number that gets saved during the tribulation is innumerable. At the second coming, 50% of the earth will have gotten saved. Wow. One's taken and one's left. That's not the rapture. That's the second coming. Now, it can number a 200 million man army, but can't number how many are going to get saved during the trip. See, we as the church want to be the great, we want to be significant to do everything, but actually we're going to hand off to the Jews and they're going to get a bigger harvest than we did. Wow. And I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but see, when it comes to righteousness, we use the word. When it comes to healing, we use the word. Prosperity, use the word. When it comes to end times, we don't use the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Okay, <laughs> don't get mad at me, but because everybody goes, no, oh, Jesus can't come back till this great harvest happens. That great harvest happens after we're raptured. Well, that doesn't go real good. <laughs> so then what does that mean? We don't do anything? No, that means we hustle. We do what we're supposed to do to have our harvest, and then they have theirs. Yeah. It's okay to have both people working together. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm okay with, with Israel having a big harvest. Good for them. God bless them. I'm not going to go, Raz, I'm mad at the Lord. <laughs> we didn't have a better harvest than them. I mean, that's, that's stupid. That's selfish. Yeah. Idiotic, ill-advised, witless, and brainless, too. <laughs> Who wants to go against the word of God? Amen. So we're so blessed. You put all this together, and I'm closing right now, but you got all these signals, you got all these signs. Why? Because the Lord's coming back. When you think about what you'll say to him, you know, how, how there'll be such joy and such, such a spirit of thanksgiving, you know, what a thankful heart we'll have. Hallelujah. Amen.